Welcome to YB Voices. For this Asia-Pacific series in our seventh episode, Crisis and Collaboration, Part 1, we've brought together educators from Australasia to discuss the importance of using collaboration and collaborative planning techniques to support the effective transition back to school. I'm your host, Steve Wishart, IBWS Manager for Australasia. got three highly credentialed fellow presenters who understand the varied contexts faced by educators across the world. Before I start, I'll introduce the team and I'll start off with uh, Cathy Seville, brings substantial knowledge, experience to the podcast. She's a prominent IBE who trains IBE educators, supports a variety of IB projects and contributes significantly to the global IB community. Cathy is a PYP coordinator at Wesley College uh, and an important member of the Victorian and Tasmanian PYP network. Welcome, Cathy, and thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks, Steve. Great to be here. Our next presenter is Melanie Woodland, and Melanie is the Assistant Principal and PYP Coordinator at Kung Young Primary School. Uh, she's an active member of the Victorian and Tasmanian PYP network. Welcome, Melanie, and thank you for taking the time to share your insights. Great. Thanks, Steve. And finally, we've got Melissa Fitzgerald, who is the MYP coordinator at Oakley Grammar School. Melissa has international DP and MYP experience, having recently returned to Australia from Dubai. Welcome, Melissa, and thanks for sharing your time and expertise on the podcast. Thank you for the invitation. We might start the discussion by asking where your school is at in terms of returning to face-to-face -to -face teaching. Cathy, if I could start with you. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Wesley's a K-12 school that offers the PYP, the MYP and the diploma programs across three campuses. We began a staggered start on Tuesday, the 26th of May. So our prep year ones and year twos and our year 10s, 11s and 12s have come back. And that will be followed on the 9th of June by our years three to nine students. So we have a mix now of face-to-face -face teaching and remote learning in place. Okay, great. Melanie? Yeah, it's actually very similar, although we're a prep to six school. So our preps and juniors started on Tuesday with a pupil-free day that we had on Monday. So we've got the staggered start. So they're back to face-to-face -to -face teaching and our threes to sixes are continuing with the remote learning platform. And we do have a number of students that are on site for the three to six program as well. Okay. And Melissa? Very similar place. We have um, the preps and 10, 11, 12 on site. Other classes are being taught remotely and we additionally are catering for other students who couldn't stay at home as well. Wow. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. So the first question, if we move into the podcast with specifically looking at collaboration, how did you maintain collaboration or collaborative planning during online learning? So if I could get some insights from three different schools on how you maintained that collaborative planning process while you were engaged with online learning. Cathy, if I could ask you first. Yes, yeah, Steve. Shifted our model a little bit. At the moment at the campus I'm on, I meet with each year level team once fortnight for an hour. And on the alternate weeks, I have what I call a cluster meeting, which is the prep to year twos, the three to fours and the five to sixes meeting 
what we've been doing in the remote space has been to shift that to year level planning meetings for 30 minutes each week with a cluster meeting check-in once a week for 30 minutes as well. And what that's done for us is enabled us to really check in on how people are going, uh, what their needs are, how we can support them. We introduced a new Teams platform and Seesaw platform and OneNote through Schoolbox. So lots of new things happening. So lots of need to listen, to support, to offer additional PD. So that half an hour was really important every week just to check in with the year levels to see where they were and what their needs were. The cluster meetings were a really good opportunity to bring together smaller groups of people uh, across year levels so that they could have a conversation uh, around what was working for them, what ideas they could pass on to others. So we, we had a really good connection happening there. And I think that was really important for staff morale. I know that our teaching teams, and um, we have two year levels at each class to four and three at five and six, were meeting outside of the meeting that I was scheduling. So there has been a lot of very close collaboration in terms of what does the day-to-day -day look like in a remote space and the opportunity to come together and be able to voice that and share that with other people, including specialists, which I have to say has been one of the advantages of the remote space is the availability of our specialists mm. to come into meetings. We've had some pretty amazing planning sessions across a number of year levels where we've done some really different and innovative thinking because of the space we're in. Well, thanks, Kathy. Melanie, can I go to you to see what was happening at Kang Young? So I suppose when we were developing our remote learning plan for our whole school late last term, we wanted to ensure that we maintained our meeting schedule as best we could. So this included ensuring that all of our planning forums were maintained. So such as having level meetings, which we would normally have in our meeting schedule, PLT meetings, a lot of um, collaborative planning is taking place, as well as our actual collaborative planning meetings, which I attend. So I'm part of those meetings for every level in the school. So it was really important for us to maintain that as much as possible. It obviously wasn't going to look the same. Um, we were wanting to keep meetings in between 9 and 3.30. So we really looked at how best we could do that without having any outside school hour meetings just to support staff at this stage. The crux of it for us was that anything that we're doing at Kanyang is obviously about developing agency and personalised learning and um, inquiry learning. So we're our three pillars at Kanyang. And so it was about kind of how can we um, continue to develop those in our students, but obviously through the remote learning platform. So we scheduled in all of those meetings throughout the week. So I was meeting with every level team in the school for an hour each week. So where most of the planning was taking place, but there are also opportunities for levels to meet up as well as our PLTs were running at the same time. But to support all of that as well, we kept our coaching program running. So we have two full-time coaches at Kanyang and that really supports the collaborative planning model that we have in place. So ensuring right. that's taking place, they're attending the planning meetings as well so that they can support staff outside of those meetings with their planning. And I guess part of doing all of that too, we kind of wanted to keep as much as possible our instructional model in place, mm. even though it was going to look <laughs> quite different. But it was kind of looking at ways that as teams, how can we continue, you know, having launches? How can we continue running those focus groups so that we're explicitly teaching 
to cater for personal goals for students. Mm-hmm. So that allowed for that to happen and, and to kind of come up with a, a balance or a, a way that it might look yeah, through this whole remote learning platform. Thanks, Melanie. Melissa. Oakley Grammar is a small school with a lot of spirit. So in terms of staff well-being, because we are quite small, it's easy to check in with each other as such, you know, across faculties or in year groups. Reflecting back on this term, our first collaborative meeting session was actually about looking at an inquiry approach to teaching and learning while trying to teach remotely. So that was a really gutsy kind of collaborative session that we had to get started. From that point, we have a collaborative meeting schedule, so faculties were able to maintain the planning, uh, moderation and reflection cycle. And in addition to that, we also had two collaborative sessions looking at horizontal and vertical planning. And in particular, we looked at approaches to learning, global context and service and action outcomes. So, you know, we certainly have really kept the ball going in terms of our collaboration. And in addition, you know, there's a small group impromptu collaborations that occur as well, which are really great. Fantastic. Thank you. All great ideas. We've got a number of schools around the world that are tend to be coming out of the virtual environment or in the process of doing that. But around the world, we've got a number of schools that are actually going into a virtual learning environment. I wonder what advice you would offer schools that are starting off the whole process. In terms of collaborative planning, what are some tips that you might share for those schools that are moving into that space where they're considering collaborative planning in an online learning environment? I think probably a couple of things, and particularly for us, was we kind of wanted to keep hold of our utopia of where we were heading for 2020. But um, at the same time, thinking about, you know, what that might look like in this platform and sometimes then being open to letting things go. I know that um, even when I was in collaborative planning meetings and kind of hearing the discussions, that there were times that we know what we do need to plan for whole class activities and tasks and things like that. And so, again, kind of looking at that balance, but being open to kind of letting things go because you kind of do need to go with the flow and it does need to suit this platform. So I think that open-mindedness. I think just in terms of meetings in particular is um, really setting up those meet protocols as well and those essential agreements. I think that really um, establishes those expectations but also helps to support teams to have great planning sessions and have great meetings as well. So that's something that we did set up to start with and um, we did that with also with our students as they attended the live meet. So I think that's a really important element. I think having a shared platform. So for us, it was using Google Classroom, but having some sort of shared platform where teachers can be supported in um, putting tasks on for students to complete and um, a place where, you know, if you are recording, we were recording launches and focus groups as well as running live ones, but it just gave a shared platform for those sorts of things to be placed on there and it was quite consistent across the school and therefore we could support each other as well. Probably too, I think we did have some staff that were nervous about switching to an online (laughs) learning space, in particular ICT skills. 
you know, and we did. It, it caused a little bit of angst because we had some worried staff. And I think it became a bit of a very split screen approach <laughs> to the way that we were doing things that we were planning. We were um, using things that we'd already had in place, but we were finding that balance and tweaking um, what we were doing. But at the same time, we were supporting staff in developing their ICT skills. So it became a very much an approach to learning focus for them. So it was very split screened in if we're doing it this way, what skills do we need as teachers to help make that successful? So really, I guess, thinking about supporting staff with their ICT skills. And we had some people that, you know, there were a few tears to start with, but by the end, got some very confident teachers in navigating those sorts of things. So that's been really great. Yeah. Thanks, Melanie. Melissa, I was wondering what tips you might have. I think the really four points that I would offer as tips to schools who are moving into this phase. One is technology because we have a lot of staff who are thrown into a situation where they're having to come to grips with technology that they've never used before mm. very quickly, you know, and when you're trying to deliver an online lesson for just over an hour, it's an awfully long time if things go wrong. So definitely collaboration regarding the different technological platforms that exist and can be used because we've been using Microsoft Teams to deliver lessons, but I know that there are a lot more exciting platforms out there. Some of my colleagues have been using Padlet, and I think that looks fantastic. The other tip that uh, really needs a lot of consideration in the online environment is student participation. You know, I had my year six class today and I was literally at a point I felt like I was just talking to the computer screen by myself you know I'm like come on guys tell me you're here type of thing so I think that staff would really benefit from looking at different methods that they can get student participation keep them active during the lessons and having a few strategies that are across the school so that no students can opt out yeah that's another thing another big consideration is assessment because, you know, how do you keep the authentic assessment process occurring in a remote environment? And that's not something that we had a lot of time to come together as a school to think about. And as Melanie said, well-being. This has mm. been so stressful for staff coming to grips with all these different platforms and then trying to get student work and student participation and keep the assessment cycle going as well. So my hat really goes off to the way that staff have maintained their relationships and just kept their vigor yeah. in their lessons during this particular uh, period. If in hindsight, if I could start again, those would probably be the main topics that I would give for schools to think about um, before you move into this kind of situation. Thank you. Kathy? Yeah, when it comes to collaborative space, well-being was clearly the number one consideration. And you know, many a meeting, you'd get to the end and go, well, what have we achieved from a planning lens? Possibly not a lot, but what you did do was leave teachers feeling that they had the ability to make the next week happen. So mm. open-ended questions like how are you doing and how can I help you would often be my starting points to check in, to see where the flow was, what was happening. I would make sure that I had gone in and was familiar with work that had been posted 
and plans that were in place so that we could have a conversation on an uneven playing field. And I think that was really important. Some groups were clearly far more ready to jump into planning new units of work, whereas others were more interested in having conversations around how to manage next week's schedule. And so I suppose being responsive was really, for me, the number one priority. Never mind my agenda, I, I felt it was really important to respond at the point where people were. You know, as we've all said, the huge learning curve with technology and just being mindful of, of that and listening to that because each week came with a new layer of new learning and how do we manage that. Had to think creatively sometimes around maximising meeting time because you might say 30 minutes where well, we can mm. do a lot, but 30 minutes in a remote space goes very quickly because it takes longer to do things. And so thinking about ways to ensure that that time was used profitably was important. I have used Google Slides at some points where set up the meeting structure and invited questions or areas that we've needed to explore on slides and then invited comments from people in the comment box. So that's been a way where you've been able to set the scene and then say, right, you've got five minutes to read this and comment. So you've then been able to synthesise information more efficiently than you can by listening to everybody speak. Also been really mindful of not having a top-down approach because I'm not the one at the coalface working with children every day, uh, having to mark their work in the online platforms. So really mindful of uh, setting up documents that staff could respond to and comment on and offer suggestions to before any of our decisions were put in place. Uh, so I really feel that there's been very much a collaborative spirit there. For those of you familiar with the analogy of the geese and the flying in the V formation and when one falls out and the others move up and then some step back to support others, use that with staff early on and feel very much that the staff I work with to such an incredibly collaborative group and they look out for each other and they're not afraid to offer suggestions. So it wasn't about me as a coordinator necessarily driving, it was me sort of facilitating on the side and listening to the voices of the group, responding to the voices of the group, and then together making the decisions that moved all of us on together. And I think that that really has meant that we've been able to work on this in a, in a very unified ways. And again, you know, each week changes according to what you do, but I think lots of layers there that have meant that we've come out of this exhausted, but in a pretty good place in terms of what we've achieved. Yeah. Well, once again, great suggestions. Thank you for joining us on part one of this episode. Visit our website where you can subscribe to IB Voices. Be sure to tune in to part two of the episode.